0: Today's reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 1 through 6. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survived the sword will find favor in the desert. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. Again, you will have your timbrels, and will go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards and on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when the watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to Lord our God.
1: Hi, Pastor Sharon here, and Happy New Year to all of you. You know, a new year always brings hope of better things to come. And I think that's especially true this year. We've come through a tumultuous 2020, and probably most of us are glad to see it in the rearview mirror. There are definitely hope for better things to come. You know, we've faced tough tough times in the whole world because of this pandemic, but here we are with a vaccine becoming available, and we have hope, hope that things are going to return to normal. We recognize the hard things we've gone through, but even if things are going to be hard again for a while, there's hope on the horizon. You know, my husband, L.A., and I have a habit at the start of a new year to review the past and set some goals for what's coming ahead. And we did that this last week. We always begin with Thanksgiving, reviewing the past year and writing down the things we're grateful for. And it was wonderfully surprising that even in this year, there were many things to be grateful for. And then we write down some of our goals. Some of them that are more grand and sweeping goals, such as staying physically active and keeping on reading and praying consistently for our children and our grandchildren. And some of them are more pedestrian and basic, such as painting our bedroom wall or getting new furniture for the outdoors. But in that whole habit, in that thing we do together, we're able to look back. And this year we did that. We went back and read through so many of the years that we had written this and kept in our files. 10 years back, 20 years back, over almost more than 40 years of life together. And we were able to see, no, not everything had turned out as we expected. And some of our goals have been on the same list for years. But I think the consistent theme we saw is that God has been faithful. And that's where we're going to start this year, even as we bid good riddance to 2020. 2020. We're going to recognize that God has us in the coming year as well. And as Christians, we are realists. We recognize it's not all going to be smooth sailing. We don't need to flinch in the face of difficulties. But we can go forward in a new year based on the character of God. That's what our theme is going to be for this month of January. All shall be well, the enduring and absolute love of God. You know, we've changed calendar years, but God has not changed at all. So we start this year going back to some really basic ancient truths, theological certainties. Maybe we get tired of hearing them again and again, speaking of the love of God, but we need to know this and hold it. Do we expect this kind of love in the new year? all shall be well. That's the theme focused in this month of January. And today I want to share good news from two different voices from the past that will unpack that theme. First of all, Jeremiah, who prophesied in Judah around 600 BC, and then Julian of Norwich, whose writings are from the 14th century in England. So we begin with Jeremiah. You heard the text read from you, for you from Jeremiah 1 through six. And if you have your Bible with you, either in print form or digitally, I invite you to look at it again because we'll rightly build this foundation on the words of scripture. And Jeremiah is a fitting one to look at in this time of calendar transition. Jeremiah prophesied mainly to Judah. And it was a time of impending disaster for that southern kingdom. In fact, the first 29 chapters of Jeremiah outline judgment that's going to come to Judah, to Jerusalem, because they had failed to live out their covenant commitments to God. And when disaster eventually does come, when Jerusalem falls and the temple is in ruins and most of the people are taken off into exile in Babylon, there is utter despair. It's a reminder even in Jeremiah's prophecies that even God's judgments, God's discipline, can be part of his redemptive plan for us. And the epic struggles that he describes and then that eventually happened were real. So in Jeremiah's day, exile was their disaster. For us in our day, perhaps this pandemic has been disaster as it has impacted people in so many ways. But God's love then and now has never wavered. It's in the middle of this description of darkness and desolation that we come to these chapters in Jeremiah. Chapters 30 through 33 are often called the book of comfort or the book of consolation, biblical scholars will will term it because even while judgment is coming and things look bleak, there is always reason for hope because God has not changed. And so we come to these verses in chapter 31, verses one through six, and reminds us that God is all about restoration and reconciliation. His love and faithfulness are the certainty that all shall be well. So let's look again at these verses. It begins verse two with a reminder that there are going to be people who survive, who survive the desolation that's coming. It says it this way. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the desert. I will come to give rest to Israel. God is coming. Rest is on the horizon. And what's the basis for all of these? Look again at verse 3. It says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying... Now that phrase could also be translated, the Lord appeared from a distance. The Lord looked from ancient times and moved forward and said to us now, something that has always been true. This is what he says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Those verses have two very rich Hebrew words that God uses in defining who He is and how He loves. The first is ahav. It is translated here everlasting love. It means to just have affection for someone, have that sense of compassion that draws you towards someone, and it's everlasting. And the second word is hesed, translated here, unfailing kindness. It's a love of the ages, ancient love that has been with God's people forever. Hesed is one of those words that is hard to translate well into English. It's an enduring love that persists without any betrayal, even if we've broken the covenant and sinned against God, he mends it. He extends forgiveness. And it cannot waver, this hesed love, because that is the character of God himself. God who has complete power, complete sovereignty, and yet gives undeserved kindness and generosity to all of us. The famous English preacher, Charles Spurgeon, said this when he reviewed these verses from Jeremiah 31. They're spoken in Old English, but you'll get the point of what he's trying to say. It is not, I have pitied thee, nor I have thought about thee, but I have loved thee. God is in love with you. Not pity, not a passing thought, but love that is constant. You and I, we could go back to even before our birth, back before Bethlehem's manger, before Calvary's cross, before even the creation of the world. And there is never a moment where God's love, full, undeserved love did not reign. And as we look at the immensity of eternity past, eternity to come, we dare to believe this along with Jeremiah's words that we are the object of God's merciful, unending love. So it's on the basis of this love that the prophet Jeremiah begins to confidently speak about things being restored. you might maybe notice in verses four and five here, that it uses the term again three times. Again, God says, I will build you up again. Again, you're going to take up the tambourine and you're going to dance joyfully. Again, you're going to plant vineyards. The images here of returning to normal, returning to a flourishing position as a community, a fruitful life where you can dance again and have joy in your hearts. You can plant your vineyards and make your wine and good things are in store. Isn't that what we're longing for in this new year too? That we can do some things again, that again we can hug our families, that again we can go out and be in the community without fear, that again, we can gather together as a community to sing joyfully together. And it's because of God's certain love that we can have that hope for the future, that Jeremiah had that hope. We can expect love. In fact, I was struck by the way Eugene Peterson translated these verses in the message. He says it this way. God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Oh, we say it often, but it is so true and so important to come back to as we start a new year. Love, love, and more love. It's the undercurrent of each of our individual lives and our lives as a a community. Well, Jeremiah isn't the only voice that spoke of God's Hesed love, this everlasting faithfulness of his. The title of this series in January is All Shall Be Well, and it comes from the same root of God's character, his, his love, taken from the writings of one of our ancestors in faith, Julian of Norwich. Before I tell you a little bit about her, I just want to take this opportunity to highlight the the long and rich heritage of faith that we have to draw on as followers of Jesus across the centuries, across different cultures that we can learn from others, how they've experienced the love of God in their time. And even though some of the expressions of faith may sound a little unfamiliar to our contemporary ear, it's important for us to go back and learn from the ancients in doing so we we keep ourselves from just interpreting faith only in our own contemporary viewpoint. It's something that C.S. Lewis warned against. He called it chronological snobbery. And I think there is some of that in our, in our minds today that we have progressed so far and we have insights beyond others. Lewis describes chronological snobbery in this way, as the uncritical acceptance of of the intellectual climate of our own age and the assumption that whatever was gone has gone out of date is on that count discredited. We don't want to be subject to chronological snobbery. We learn from the past because it, it will enrich our faith in the present. And so we take a look at Julian, who lived in England during the 14th century. Julian was born in 1343 and she lived well into her 70s. She was known as an anchoress, and an anchoress is someone who devotes themselves to prayer and contemplation of God by living in seclusion in a small room or what they would call a cell. An anchoress comes from the Greek word, which means to withdraw. And so they would withdraw, but not like a hermit. These men and women were connected or anchored to a local church and often their room was attached right to the church. In fact, they had to get permission and um, endorsement from the local bishop to pursue this calling and to verify that they had the financial means in order to continue it. And so Julian, during her time of seclusion, had received these revelations and insights from God, what she called showings. And she put them down in writing and reflected on what they meant. And her writings collected into a book called Revelations of Divine Love is actually the first book written in English by a woman. There are deep theological truths in it. And as she pondered the visions she'd received, she became ever more assured of the unwavering love of God. At a certain point in her contemplation, she'd been pondering the effects of sin, both sin in her own heart and life and in the world around her and the evil that she saw. And she wondered why God, why God in his infinite wisdom had not prevented sin and evil from infesting the world in the first place. She writes this, I often wondered why by the great foreseeing wisdom of God, The onset of sin was not prevented. For then I thought, all should have been well. And as she contemplated and thought about it, these words were so strongly impressed on her, God's confirmation of his love triumphing. And she says it, writes it this way. God says, all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well julian of norwich words that people grab onto even today and there may be a reason that more people are drawn to her words now than in many times in past because julian has something else in common with us and that she lived through a pandemic during her lifetime she experienced the first and second wave of the Black Death in England. And historians estimate that during that first wave in 1348 to 1350, from 40 to 60% of the population was killed. And then a second wave 10 years later, where almost 20% were killed. And Julian herself experienced a severe, severe illness that probably was this black death. She had a high fever. She describes difficulty breathing and a sense of paralysis in her body, symptoms that sound an awful lot like pandemic symptoms. And Julian had prepared herself, in fact, anticipated her own death. And it was right in the middle of this illness that she received one of her first visions. Her vision was this, that God suffers with us and that God's love cannot erase anything we go through. She reflected that God's love is unwavering his divine love for us full of mercy and it allows her to say this again, this profound truth, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. So as we step into 2021? Can we say the same thing? Do we expect love from God no matter what is ahead of us? I think a new year has an opportunity for you and I, and I encourage you to do this as an individual or as a family, to consider the things that are ahead of you in this year. Yes, I'm aware stories of many of you that there are joys to come in this year and there are challenges. But I wonder if we could boldly view whatever comes in the certainty of God's love. I wonder if we were able to make a list, a list of things and goals and hopes for 2021. We could add at the end of each of those goals this phrase. For I am loved with an everlasting love. Maybe it would sound like this. I can face the challenges of my job. For I am loved with an everlasting love. I can make plans for college, for new opportunities, for I am loved with an everlasting love. I can weather the challenges of online learning or online teaching, for I am loved with an everlasting love. I can faith face health challenges, for I am loved with with an everlasting love. I can celebrate additions to our family for I am loved with an everlasting love. And we together, we can look forward to being together again in worship and singing together for we are loved with an everlasting love. We can stay true to our mission as a church to serve and love others for we are loved with an everlasting love. Let's live each day in 2021 with that certainty, that foundation of God's everlasting love. I encourage you this year, my friends, to expect love because that is who God is. God's character has not changed as we've moved into a new year. He says again to us, expect love for all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for these voices from people who sought you and people who you sought after with love. Jeremiah, who reminds us that your love for us is everlasting and that you draw us with unfailing kindness. And Julian, who reminds us that all shall be well, Because your divine love holds us fast. Lord, let's not skip, help us not to skip over that too quickly. But to settle into our hopes, maybe our uncertainties in this year, with the constant confidence that you are love. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your name.
0: Amen.